Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Mike Sando. Mike, how you doing? I am doing well, Robert. Thanks for getting the band together here real quick. We got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it, it just it's like clockwork, right? So Lindsay and I record our coaching carousel update podcast yesterday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And by the time it's what is it now? Noon Eastern. Yeah, it's no longer relevant. Three of those coaches have been <laughs> hired. Three of those jobs have been filled. It, it's the risk you run at this time of year. So we wanted yeah. to just run through the coaching news that's happened again. It's sure. about you know, 1230 Eastern time right now. We've had some jobs filled today. It sounds like there are others that are headed that direction pending a couple different things, a couple different considerations. So let's start with the news that kicked off the day and made me realize that I wasted a lot of time yesterday. And that is Nate Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator getting hired by the Broncos. You know, we'd heard about this for a little while that he was in strong contention to get that job. He's been around for a while. He was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars for a couple of different for a couple of years. Then he went to Green Bay. So he's had a couple of different stops as an OC. And now he will be taking over as the Broncos head coach. What have you heard about him and just this process overall as it relates to him? Yeah, he's been around the game forever, obviously, in his, in his family. I mean, I think it's wonderful job by him getting fired by the Jaguars, aligning with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, you can't. I mean, that's just the way the game is. And I'm not saying anything good or bad about Nathaniel Hackett. But if he had stayed in Jacksonville and gotten twice as good of a, a, at his job during that time, he wouldn't be hired right now. I agree. That's the way the game is. So, yet at the same time, I think George Payton um, is good. I think that he'll—I uh, I would trust his judgment over a lot of people's judgment. And— here we are. You can't help but connect some dots in your mind and wonder what is going on behind the scenes with Aaron Rodgers. Who knows what? Uh, and is this now... Do they have a bunch of guys here who there's not that much of a difference between them, right? Doesn't it feel like in this cycle, as far as what you can actually know, there's not a Jim Harbaugh, John Gruden. There's not the sexy name higher. No, it's the year. typical pool we're used to, right? Where it's the yeah. hot coordinators on the hot teams, and yeah. you, you kind of pick between them. And with Hackett, it, it, he's just somebody that he's a ball of energy, man. I mean, if, if you ever had a conversation with Nate Hackett, he is he loves football, and it kind of comes out of his pores when you talk about it with him. And I think instilling that kind of energy, it's very different. 
Ben Woodvick Fangio is going to bring to a building. That their overall presence no is extremely different. So, and you know, his background is interesting. I'm, I talked to him this summer, and we were just discussing kind of the ins and outs of the offense that the Packers run under Matt Lafleur, and that is not a place that Nathaniel Hackett comes from. His background is not in that wide zone Shanahan system. So when he got to Green Bay. It was one of those things where he said to me, you know, I wanted to know how it worked. And that was part of the uh, appeal of taking the job is that you see this stuff from afar. And it's like, how does this offense work? And so he got to kind of see the inner workings and the mechanics of how that system actually functions and goes. So coaches that have that sort of varied background, I always find compelling. And he comes from a very different place than what they did in Green Bay. But now he has that background of working with Lafleur and with Rodgers in that system for the last few years. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting background. I mean, he, he's an interesting resume, and I think that it makes sense for them right now in this moment. I, I do like that aspect of you being in more than one place and having been fired and just sort of knowing how the league works. Yes. Um, you know, he's been, uh, I believe, in Tampa under John Gruden, right? He's been in Buffalo with uh, Chan Gailey, I believe. Was he with Chan Gailey? Um, he's been in Jacksonville. I mean, these are some interesting places. He's actually been in places where it's been really tough and you haven't always been supported uh, to the degree that he is going to be in Denver. So uh, I also think that offense uh, obviously is a a good one in the NFL right now. So to have components of that, you don't know who you're going to get. You may not get Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers can do great in almost any offense. But this system, if he adopts some of what he learned from Lafleur, could be a good thing to try to elevate or win with somebody who's probably not going to be as good as Aaron Rodgers unless you're fortunate enough to get that done. And oh, by the way, if you are fortunate enough to get it done, having him there helps you. I don't think that's the reason why you'd make the hire, but it, it, it could help if you felt as good about him as everyone else. I just I want to know what happened with Dan Quinn. Like To me, that's the most interesting thing of this whole thing. I thought he was going to maybe go there uh, and... He's going back to Dallas, so interesting to me. With the the staff that Hackett is apparently bringing there, uh, Ian Rappaport reported today that it sounds like Ajiro Evero, the passing game coordinator for the Rams, is going to be the number one choice for the defensive coordinator spot there. If you look at where the Rams have been over the last couple years, he was a prominent assistant on that team in 2020 where they were the best defense in football. He got elevated to passing game coordinator before this season and you know was a huge part of kind of creating the bridge between last year's defensive staff and this one with Raheem Morris coming in so his resume is such that he would be a guy you look at for this job he also happens to be Nathaniel Hackett's best friend (laughs) so they are that he was the best man at his wedding so you can connect the dots there it makes sense on a couple different levels and then the offensive coordinator is apparently going to be Adam Stenovich or that's who they want it to be who is the offensive line coach for and run game coordinator for the Packers and bringing that Packers run game and the design of it in there and having, you know, offensive line coach is always a huge hire with these jobs. So having an offensive coordinator who is a proven excellent offensive line coach that's done a really good job in Green Bay, I think has to be nothing but a positive for the Broncos who've had Mike Munchak for the last few years. It, it is, but I think the one guarantee, there's two guarantees we know about their coaching change. One is that they're not going to have as good of a defensive coordinator, no matter who you get. I don't care if they hire Mike Zimmer, okay? Yeah. Vic Fangio is as good as you get, the gold standard. I understand why they're making the change uh, from him as a head coach, but I think one of the guarantees was you're not going to be as good defensively. Um, as far as hiring your, you know, uh, close friends and all of that. Everyone, just about everyone does it. But one of the things I think that 
really set Mike Vrabel apart that I think we talked about before was he didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. He said he, he told his, I, I can't remember who it was, but he told his friend, I don't think the fit's right. Let's not do this. And he's done a great job of hiring offensive coaches, uh, their offensive coordinators uh, that weren't necessarily his close associates. So I understand why coaches do it. This may be great for Denver. It may be the, the best fit. I need to see it. For sure. Because I, I need to see it. I'm I'm not looking I'm I'm intrigued by the hirings, but they're not getting better than Fangio and Munchak, uh, as far as the defense and the offensive line coach. And who knows, the the head coach is probably grow gonna grow into the role a little bit, you would think, uh, having not been a, a head coach before. I agree. And I think that even if they're not gonna be as good defensively, which you would assume the fact that their defense is most likely going to share a lot of DNA with what they've run over the last few years, I think yeah. that is a positive. You know, yep. Joe Evero worked for Fangio before he worked with the Rams. I mean, he is fluent in that defensive system. So it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the friendship part of it is we can talk about that forever. and It's a huge thing in the NFL all over the place. But even beyond that, I think that a yeah. lot of the reasons you'd hire him for this job make a ton of sense to me. So yep. we'll see what happens. Let's get ready to talk about Aaron Rodgers here for the next six months or so and, and what will yeah. end up happening there. Absolutely, yeah. Nathaniel Hackett from UC Davis, by the way, not far from Sacramento, which isn't far from Butte. <laughs> <laughs> we can connect all the dots we want. And that uh, is there's going to be a lot be of conspiracy theories happening here over the next couple months, well, I promise you that. There, there absolutely are. Uh, by the way, uh, his agent, Rodgers' agent, is uh, UCLA's own Dave Dunn. George Payton, UCLA. We can connect dots all day here. So, you know. All right. Nathaniel Hackett goes from the NFC North to the AFC West. Matt Eberflus comes from the AFC South to the NFC North. Matt Eberflus is the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I've mentioned this over the last couple of weeks. Matt Eberflus is somebody that I've been familiar with for a decade, more. He was the defensive coordinator at Mizzou when I got to Mizzou and coordinated those very good Missouri defenses when they were one of the best teams in the country, worked under Gary Pinkle, who was just a phenomenal college football coach. And then he was the linebackers coach for the Cowboys at a certain point. His first NFL job was in Cleveland. Yeah, with Mangini. Went, yeah, with Mangini. And then he went to Dallas and worked under those on those Rod Marinelli defenses and was the linebackers coach You know, when Sean Lee was really thriving there. I remember talking to him first to write it about Sean, and then – he goes over to Indianapolis as part of Josh McDaniels' staff as their de- as their defensive coordinator, and obviously everything happened there with Frank Reich. So I mean, he comes from the college ranks, and then he you know has that kind of Marinelli, Lovey Smith type of DNA defensively. They use a lot of the same language. He did a good job with the Colts' defense. This is a top ten-ish defense over the last couple of years that lacked true dominance a pass rusher you know didn't have a true lockdown corner they have guys really good guys up the spine DeForest Buckner Darius Leonard but it's not as if this is a defense that's laden with all pro talent at every single position so as far as his resume and the defensive success I think it makes total sense to me the biggest question is what does this mean for Justin Fields in the offense that is the the number one thing that's just blinking in lights If you're going to go with a defensive-minded head coach, what are the challenges of that? What are the benefits of that? And what does it mean for the quarterback that you've spent a lot on emotionally and in resources? 
Yeah, hopefully this means that he's absolutely the best guy for the job. And I, I agree, you hire the best head coach. You don't just hire the system guy to help your quarterback because you'll end up doing it. That's what they tried to do with Matt Nagy, right? I mean, hey, we're going to get yeah. this system and it's going to help our quarterback. So I'm fine with that. I, I share the same curiosity to see what they're going to do. Uh, I think I like the fact, like we were talking about, Hackett's been around. Eberflus, think of the situations he's been in. You know, to be in to be in Cleveland with Mangini, to be in Dallas, he's been under a Jerry Jones, to be come to Indy under these weird pretenses, and then not only stay but get a ringing ringing endorsements from Chris Ballard and the and the people, uh, Frank Reich, the people you ended up working with, and to have done a good job by all accounts, um, as well. So. uh, you're right. It's the million dollar question. What are they going to do uh, for on offense and what's it going to look like? And is it going to be another situation where it's somebody that has to prove themselves in the job? We've seen a bunch of different models work out. I think ideally in a vacuum, if I was picking this, if I could pick my guy from scratch, I would probably pick from the group of play calling offensive head coaches. I've said that in the past and I firmly believe that. I think that is the easiest way to ensure that you're good every single year in an offense first league is to have one of those guys it's to have an Andy Reid or a Sean Payton or a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan but you need the best guy for the job it it doesn't happen in a vacuum you have to find the best guy for the job and then figure the rest of that out later we've seen plenty of examples recently you know I think that some of the numbers for how the success of defensive first head coaches are a little bit skewed, especially because of what New England does to those numbers. They've mostly had Josh McDaniels for that entire stretch. In Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin, you know, Ben Roethlisberger runs that offense. <laughs> it doesn't really matter who the offensive yeah. coordinator is. The Bears don't have a Tom Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger. They have a second-year quarterback. But you look at situations like Baltimore and Buffalo. Baltimore, John Harbaugh has been there through multiple offensive coordinators. They draft Lamar Jackson. They do a really good job of building an offensive system around Lamar Jackson that works for him. That is a shining example of what this could be like. To me, the best example is what's happened in Buffalo. Everything they've done in Buffalo with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and the model that they have followed, bringing Brian Dable in during Josh Allen's rookie year, having Brian Dable oversee that offense, bring out Josh Allen's development along. He's still the coordinator there. If he gets hired away, you feel good about where Josh Allen is right now. But that hire and bringing Brian Dable in there and that entire offensive staff, right? The offensive staff they hired and what that plan was in year two. And it's important to remember, that was the second year for Sean McDermott. That was not the first year. They had Rick Dennison there their first year. And then they ended up moving on to go get Dable. So getting that guy right is hugely important. Whatever that plan looks like, it needs to be a solid plan. I don't, I'm not worried about the offensive coordinator getting hired away. That's not what I'm concerned about. I'm worried about figuring out that side of the ball and getting it right. Hiring an offensive guy doesn't guarantee that that's going to happen either. But what they do for Justin Fields' development in this crucial, crucial time in year two and year three, in my opinion, is going to go a long way in making or breaking this hire. Yep, and you can't always get the staff you want in the first year. That's the lesson of that with McDermott, right? You have to be able, you have to keep your your eyes and mind open to who else may be available. I think if they had hired today Brian Dable or Doug Peterson, what would you feel like? I think that's an interesting juxtaposition because those are two offensive coaches that potentially that interviewed for the job in Chicago. Um, and if you hired them, you would know where you're going to go offensively and. You didn't, and so here we are, and and uh, we don't know. 
We talked about this in the show with Lindsay yesterday. To me, it's about finding and building an incubator of offensive talent and a support system there that's going to facilitate the development of your offensive players and your quarterback. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a play-calling offensive head coach, but you need to make sure that happens. You need to put together the right staff for that to happen. If, let's say, your offensive coordinator does get hired after one fantastic season with Justin Fields, do you have a plan for what the succession will look like at that spot? Do you have a quarterback coach that you like? I think it's just about understanding that you need to build that group out with Justin Fields in mind. And it becomes more difficult when you don't have that guy at the center of it. It's just one more layer of difficulty. It absolutely can work out, but I think that it's a tougher needle to thread. Yep, absolutely. And we're going to find out, you know, defensive head coaches have certain ways they like to play the game sometimes. He's going to be, Iberflus, I assume, is going to call the defense. Um, yep, it just becomes a different dynamic. I hope that he's not like that. You know, I, I like Brandon Staley is a good example, right? Where he's a defensive minded head coach, but he's pretty flexible on certain ideas. That's why I appreciate Matt Eberflus because, you know, in conversations I've had with him just about philosophy and how you structure a defense in certain situations, he's pretty flexible about those kinds of things where he'll look at, well, it depends on what quarterback we're playing, how we want to devote our resources. And, you know, his ideas about defense and about how you devote your resources are pretty modern and they're not really tied to certain principles and values that we ascribe to old school defensive coordinators. Like this idea of oh. we have to stop the run and all this other stuff. That's oh, not no, real no, with no. him. Yeah. So I'm talking about how they want to play offense. So that I hope that kind of flexible thinking extends yeah. to the offensive side of the ball where you don't have a Mike Zimmer type approach where we need to make this yeah. as conservative as possible. There's no way to know until he starts doing it, but I'm hoping that he looks at this a little bit differently than a lot of other defensive-minded head coaches might. Most of them, any, most of all the coaches look at it through who I have taken the snap from center. Yeah. And you'll find out a lot about what they think of that guy, whether that's Kyle Shanahan with Jimmy Garoppolo or, or Brandon Staley with Justin Herbert, who's going to say, our whole, we've got this trigger guy and we're going to be aggressive because we have him. Uh, I don't know where anyone would, where he's going to be at on Justin Fields. I assume he likes him. Uh, he probably is excited to work with them after you know a frustrating end of the season with their quarterback in, in Indianapolis. Uh, but all of this stuff remains to be seen, and there's no givens in terms of what he thinks of them or how they're how they're going to want to play or who he's even going to get an offensive coordinator. The rumor right now, I, th- I believe, again, Rappaport uh, reported that Kevin Petulo, who is the passing game coordinator for the Eagles, is on a list for their offensive coordinator job. He was the passing coordinator in Philly this year, came with Nick Sirianni. He was on the Colts staff before that in a couple different roles. So obviously there's some familiarity with Ibraflus and, and their time together with the Colts. I know yep. not very little of back. him. He was coaching receivers for them, the Colts. Yep. Uh, I, I know very little of him. And, you know, you look at the Eagles passing game this year, it certainly wasn't the strength of that team. But also they tailored that offense and their entire plan to what they did well. So it's kind of hard to judge that. He was with Fitzmagic, the Fitzmagic Jets, when they went ten and six. Uh, <laughs> there it is. That, that, there's the number that one explains argument why in favor. They hired him. He went ten and six with with Fitzmagic, and he threw for a career high three thirty nine hundred yards. <laughs> awesome. You are a guy franchise franchise record touchdown passes. Put that on your resume. You know, there you are. I it, Matt Eberflus as a personality and as as somebody who's been around for a while, and again, just in the few conversations I'd had with him, I think that he is. He has the right temperament for the job. He has the right background for the job. I think that he deserves a shot at this sort of thing. It, it, to me, it's just about how you want to structure your staff and why. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been impressed with him too. I've been impressed with him too. I've been around him a little bit, watched how he coaches. And I actually went on today and was watching some of the mic'd up stuff of him just to get re-acclimated. So he'll put his stamp on it. And, uh, you know, most of these coaches will be as good as their quarterbacks in the end. And hopefully they can support Justin Fields and bring him along as well as Buffalo has done with Josh Allen. You just, you, all you want from your head coach, not all you want, but the most important thing is are the guy who's going to set the tone in the building. How are we going to practice? How are we going to play? How are we going to go about this? Yep. And if that guy happens to be a defensive-minded head coach but gets that part right, that's the most important thing. And then everything yep. else hopefully will fall in line after that. And if they can get that right, then we'll see what happens. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Last thing here. Talk about the Jaguars opening. I don't know what you've heard. It, it sounds like... Byron Leftwich is the favorite there, but there have been some concerns about the Trent Balky piece of this and whether he wants to work with Trent Balky. A couple different people have talked about this. I believe Mike Jarecki, who uh, covers the Cardinals, said that they were trying to work out a deal in Jacksonville to bring in Leftwich and Adrian Wilson as the new GM, who is, I believe, the vice president of player personnel yep. for Arizona. So a lot of different things to dig through here. What have you heard about this, and where do you think this stands with the Jaguars? Yeah, yeah I, th- I just think they're such a bad organization, and and the, the ownership is the common denominator for 10 years behind it. So anything's possible. I can't imagine at this stage, even if you thought Trent Baalke was had discovered the – you know, some amazing way to scout players that that would be the sticking point and prevent you from getting a, a head coach. I mean, he, he's only been there a couple of years. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think they need somebody who's established. I, to me, Jim Caldwell's out there. He interviewed there. That's what I would do. Now he, he probably isn't coming in and working with any, just any GM either, but, um, I'm worried about him. I, I think that that's a place where Byron Leftwich could go as a first time head coach and have a hard time struggle to overcome the building. So it sounds like the Jags are bringing in Vic Fangio to interview him, but there are reports right now from a local writer, John Reed in Jacksonville, saying that it's not necessarily for the head coaching job. It could be for the defensive coordinator yeah. job in Jacksonville. So if Byron Leftwich somehow gets hired as that in that gig and Vic Fangio is his defensive coordinator, that's that a good outcome. Uh, that That's yeah. a pretty solid outcome for the Jaguars if that ends up happening. Yep, that... Uh, I- with you a hundred percent. I mean, he's just such a good defensive caller and, and you'll know exactly what you're going to be. And it's going to be, they're going to get the best out of what they've got. So I would love that. And if they, if, if bulky can help deliver that, cause he was obviously with Vic in San Francisco, then that's a pretty good asset to have. And it may be worth whatever uh, concerns or preferences the head coach has. I don't know what other head coaching jobs, uh, Brian Leftwich or anyone else is going to get right. Sometimes you you have you you always walk into a situation that's imperfect. You rarely get everything you want unless you're just one of those superstar candidates that the the owner's willing to do anything for. So uh, that wouldn't be bad if you if you had Vic Fangio there, you'd, you'd feel better about where they're at. And at least Leftwich knows Jacksonville. He is Jacksonville. He played there. Um, I still think it's just a lot to overcome. I. Uh, from an ownership standpoint, so we'll see if they 
can get the people in place to do that. Yeah, they're behind the eight ball. There's no doubt about that. He was also requested by the Saints today. Uh, Byron Leftwich was so you know still a lot of other things yeah. kind of up in the air, and we'll see what happens with that Jags job here over the next you know 24 hours or so. Mike, is there anything else you wanted to hit with these? I feel like that's most of the news that's been important. And then the other thing is Dan Quinn staying in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. The, the ones that are really interesting to me is Dan Quinn sort of looking around. You thought he would have options at different places and deciding to stay. Uh, with Sean Payton suddenly becoming available, the, the, the whole Dallas thing is just interesting to me. Yeah. Um, you know, Jimmy Johnson, now, now, now Jimmy Johnson sort of forced his own firing, but that one happened in March when Jimmy Johnson left the Cowboys and just watching what's what Jerry Jones has been saying. I mean, he's been saying some things that are kind of disparaging of his head coach. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, maybe everything just returns, but it just feels like there's something going on there that we don't know about. Um, and I'm not sure if it means for this year or next year, but that was weird. Quinn staying. I felt like he would have his choice of a few places maybe. And I thought he was maybe the domino. Maybe he was the domino. Once he came back, maybe these things started once he, you know, maybe these other things started moving. Yeah. So the Dan Quinn part of this, I mean, it seems like he looked around at the jobs and thought he had a good time in Dallas and wanted to stay there. I don't blame him at all. When you're a coordinator who's done a really good job and there's just less pressure and you don't have to worry about all of the, yeah, I, I don't know, all of the minutiae and all of the bureaucracy of being a head coach, I, my personality, I would love being a coordinator in the NFL. It's exactly where I would want to rise to and no, <laughs> no more than that. If I was a good coordinator, that's where I would just want to hang out. So good for Dan Quinn, just riding it out with year two in Dallas and seeing how that goes. Yeah. You get to coach Mike Parsons. He doesn't have to worry about the wins and losses being attached to his record. I mean, there are benefits yep. to being a sought-after, highly-paid coordinator in the NFL. Yep, it'll probably be good again defensively. The other one that's interesting to me is Brian Flores. Uh, I just, you know, his whole ouster, uh, what was going to happen with Houston or not, um, he's kind of out there, too, as somebody who, uh, you know, you're, you're there's a little bit of a track record, and we thought that he was fairly highly thought of. Um, where he lands is interesting to me, too. Yeah, and then the other thing is uh, what's going to happen with the Giants now that Dan Quinn is out, is off there. So Dable has obviously gotten a second interview. It would make a lot of sense if they were to hire him with Joe Shane being their GM now. I mean, I feel it's like arrows were pointing in that direction. And now yeah. with Quinn being out, it feels like even more of a reason that that might happen. Yep, I, I agree. Obviously, they talked to Leslie Frazier as well. So there's two people with the Buffalo Connections. But when you see... Uh, you know, the owner and the team doubling down on Daniel Jones, then is there a little bit more of an impetus to make sure we have that squared away, maybe even with our head coach? Uh, uh, and that would obviously make sense for Dayball. Yeah, I mean, what he's done in Buffalo, he deserves a chance to be a head coach based on the on-field results. Again, this job is about more than what your offense looked like if you were an offensive coordinator, and it should be about more than that. But there is no denying and no arguing with the results they've had in Buffalo over the last couple of years and what they've done with Josh Allen. Absolutely. And now everyone's like, oh, imagine if these other teams took Josh Allen. Well, there were concerns. There, people had concerns about Josh Allen. They, they did a great job of just having a plan organizationally to almost in all regards, uh, from the GM to the head coach to what they've done in offense. And why wouldn't you want to try to replicate that somewhere else? And that's what I, if you're if you're a Bears fan and you're thinking about you're you're sitting there today being what is the best case scenario for this? What would I want this to look like? 
That's it. It's what the Bills did with Josh Allen. You hire a defensive-minded head coach, you really blow up the roster and start over, and that, that's what Buffalo did. They pulled this off in a way that's very difficult to do with the way they built this team through free agency, but the way they did it with, let's take a million dice rolls along the offensive line consistently, a ton of small investments in free agency combined with one big one in Mitch Morse at center, and try to cobble together a functional line year in and year out, and then intentionally and consciously building the receiving core piece by piece with different skill sets and ultimately finishing it off with the digs move. That is the model. Yeah. Yeah, And having a quarterback who seems to be wired, right? You say that about Justin Fields and Josh Allen, but has some issues that could be improved upon and just needs some polish and, and some growth, uh, and could be a good player. We know Justin Fields has the tools, right? I mean, he could be a good player, so make it happen. And you just have to hope that you find an OC and an offensive support system like the Bills have formed. And that is difficult to do. But that is going to be the number one question for the Bears moving forward here. Yeah. All right. And the yeah, and the Bills were able to do it. They didn't lose Dayball for a few years. So they were able to do it with the defensive head coach. Yeah, and I think that's what often happens, right? The guy doesn't get hired away in a year for the most part. You know, guy, even offensive coordinators that we like or we thought were hot shot candidates, yeah. typically it takes more than one year. Brandon Staley doing one year as a coordinator and then getting hired away, or let's say if D'Amico Ryans gets hired away in this cycle, that doesn't always happen. It's not about losing the offensive coordinator if you hire a defensive-minded head coach. It's about finding the right plan offensively in a league dominated by offense. There's no guarantee that happens if you hire an offensive-minded head coach, but you have to get that part right. And I just think that part is difficult to get right if you don't have that centerpiece of your offensive plan as the one driving the vision for the organization. It's just a little bit harder. That's it. Yep. All right. Now that's all we got. Appreciate you guys sticking around. So this will be up on Thursday afternoon if you guys want to give it a listen. And then Friday morning, tomorrow, we will be back with me and Nate breaking down the conference championship games. Shield will join us for some conference championship game picks. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. Highly encourage you guys to do that. We'll be back tomorrow. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.